view was known and, and rejected, and I, I think they are simply quoting the Bible. I do believe in science. I do yeah. trust science. You're listening to 1A, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church, episode 35. We're continuing in our third series called Confessional Life, where Derek and I discuss some of the basics of the Westminster Confession of Faith and what it means to live it out. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Press. 1A is a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. If this is your first time giving us a listen, we want to welcome you. We appreciate you taking the time to check us out. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can visit our webpage, which is firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. To find out how to contact us or how to subscribe, listen to the end of the show. If you do find this ministry useful, then subscribe using the application of your choice, and every Monday a new episode will be waiting for you. Also, while you're there, leave us some comments. As we increase the number of reviews and comments, it becomes easier for others to find our podcast. In this episode, Derek and I begin our discussion of the fourth chapter of the Confession, on creation. We talk about why the divines chose the phrase, space of six days. We get a sense of the different Reformed views on creation and what it means to trust science. Now, let's get to our show. Happy Thanksgiving, Derek. Happy Thanksgiving, Josh. It is Thanksgiving week. It is Thanksgiving week. We are thankful. Indeed. In fact... Um, it also means that the holidays are rapidly approaching and we will be taking a break for the winter sometime soon. So we are wrapping up with our last discussion. I'll probably take the next two episodes where we are going to be talking about chapter four of the confession, which is about creation. Again, because we've lagged so far behind where school theology is, maybe we need a brief introduction on this chapter. Anything to say by way of introduction? Uh, This is a chapter that uh, follows the chapter on the decrees or the decree of God. Uh, We could use a different word, the decisions of God. Uh, And the major decisions of God that we identify are uh, creation, the, the fall, to permit the fall, uh, to elect and, and reprobate, uh, and to send a redeemer. And those are the four hmm. major decisions that, that we talk about. There are others, uh, but, um, so this is the first one in the confession, uh, the, the decree to create. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, the views on creation. So even as this chapter kicks off, it talks about God creating in six days. Of course, that's just following scripture. Um, but the views of creation, what we mean by six days... Well, to be precise, the confession says, in the space of six days, which is picking up the exact language of uh, Genesis. Hmm. And why are they being so exact and precise there? My view is that they were quoting Genesis. They were quoting the Bible Hmm. in the space of six days. Uh, They were aware, certainly, of other views, and the predominant other view in the 17th century would have been Augustine's 
uh, spontaneous um, creation that God creates everything all at once. Mm. Um, unclear as to why he would go out of his way to say that when when neither the first or second creation accounts, uh, Genesis 1 or Genesis 2, uh, suggest any such thing. But... Mm. But uh, that view was known and and rejected, and I I think they they are simply quoting the Bible. They're not uh, they're not giving us um, an eight lane highway mm. uh, as to various views of creation, many of which would have been unknown to them in the seventeenth century, and certainly the the evolutionary uh, model. Uh, of the origin of man would have been unknown to them in the 17th century. Mm. Now it is common today, and let's let's cite the PCA uh, study, General committee. Assembly right. study committee report from a decade or more ago. Mm. Um, that certainly al- not not only allowed for half a dozen. Uh, views that were compatible with confessional subscription, which I'm happy with. Mm. What I was less happy about was to, was the suggestion in the report that this was the intent of the language of the confession to mm. allow for um, a sort of eight lane highway. And I, right. I'm I'm very skeptical that that was their intent. Right. I'm quite happy having that view. Right. That it can apply to allow for for a larger umbrella. Right, but the original intent of the authors was not to create. A well, and, and I, I do that because we hold to that principle when it comes to scripture. Original authorial intent is a very important hermeneutical principle in mm. understanding what the Bible actually means. So, if we can read back into the text and say no, that the original intent here was something else, then the text has no meaning. Right. Actually, I think I think ultimately that's a postmodern step, but. Far be it for me to be cited here criticizing the study committee of the PCA. Uh, I'm, let me say again, I'm quite happy with the result. I, right. I, I'm just not happy about the way it got there. Right. Uh, I, I, I think I think that uh, a declaratory act or something might have been a better step to take to accommodate for um, views that, that have developed since the writing of the confession. Hmm. Now, the study committee was commissioned um, as a part of a response because there were a number of views, and the PCA specifically wanted clarity for themselves and their presbyteries. Um, And I was saying earlier, your view on creation for some people acts as a bit of a litmus test for how committed you are to Scripture um, or how reformed you are. Why is that so, and how did that come about? Yeah, that's a difficult question, Josh. Um, there's no doubt, and what you're referring to, I think, is is that there's there's little doubt that uh, those who hold to a strict, consecutive, literal, twenty four hour view of creation, mm-hmm. and therefore are committed to a young Earth of no more than fifteen to twenty thousand years old. Mm-hmm. Um, they see it, uh, a lot of them see it as um, so uh, fundamental uh, that Genesis 1 
rather than Genesis 2, uh, be the lens through which we understand everything about creation and how and how the world came into being and how Adam and Eve came into being. That in some cases, I've gone from all to many to some. Have you mm-hmm. noticed that slide as I've mm-hmm. gone along here? Mm-hmm. Um, but but th- there certainly are those who would suggest uh, that this is an issue of biblical fidelity, mm. of commitment to grammatical, historical exegesis, mm. um, and allowing, say, Genesis 2 to be the historical account and Genesis 1 to be something else. And, and clearly there are, there are some issues between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Um, and, and not least the the issue in Genesis 1, um, that, uh, the sun isn't, uh, created until the fourth day. Right. So how do you get day and night? How do you get day and night? Yeah. Um, so today, I mean, there would be there would be um, many views. Those who take the consecutive order mm-hmm. uh, of of sequential order mm-hmm. of creation, but allowing for gaps mm-hmm. uh, between, say, Genesis one one and Genesis one two, or or especially between Genesis one two and Genesis one three, and. And, and the fact that I, even in our English Bibles, there is a paragraph division between Genesis 1, 2 and Genesis 1, 3, for which there's no reason in the Hebrew for it. Um, uh, uh, an observation that didn't come to me until, you know, fairly recently. Why, why, in fact, is there this paragraph division, uh, between these two, two verses? Um, to those, uh, who have gone, to adopt a Kleinian framework hypothesis for Genesis 1, where days 1 and 4 and 2 and 5 and 3 and 6 sort of parallel each other. Actually, they don't work terribly well, Mm. I don't think. Mm. It's somewhat forced. I think once you see it, you see it, and you become an advocate for it. Actually, when you look up closely with a magnifying glass, you know, it tends to dissolve. It's not quite as tight, and I've never been um, taken with it myself. Right. But some of my best friends are, and some uh, listeners, I'm sure, are. R- right, that's possible because there are at least three, <laughs> and uh, one of them we know. Right, and uh, and you're wrong, buddy. <laughs> uh, you know, so these are, these are all views um, that that. You know, the gap theory accommodates for um, a world that's, you know, 13 billion years old right. or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it, it helps explain some, some rather complex issues in creation that is that are not explainable if the world is only 10, 15,000 years old. Right. Uh, namely, the size of the universe and, right. and the speed and speed of light and so on and 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 there are views. Doug Kelly, for example, has a view about the non-linear uh, speed of light and that it has changed over the course of years, and therefore mm. that these measurements also change and, and mm. so on. Mm. Um, uh, so it, it it allows for an old Earth. Uh, it, it it allows for uh, issues in terms of um, geology mm. uh, and, and geological. Uh, features mm. because the world certainly looks old yeah 
Now, God could create it to look old, yeah. and and some people say, well, that's not fair. That's you know deception that, somehow. Yeah, and it kills science. It's kind of the big lie. Right, that God is deceiving you right from the very start. But I mean, did Adam have a belly button? Right, or or Eve was when Eve was made for Adam. Was she made as an infant? Right, no. she would have been made as an adult. As an adult. Right. Right. I have more and more misgivings about the the young Earth. I I, yeah. I accept that it's a possibility. Yeah. And God could have created it all to look right. that way, and 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 kind of, and it certainly would fool us into into, um, into believing something else, and therefore that the belief has to be by faith, and that yeah. would be that would be one way of doing it. Right. That we that we must trust God. Yeah. And uh, to believe that God is the creator. I think that um, the hermeneutic of modern science and the pressure mm. that that imposes, it, it imposes very little pressure on me personally. I'm not a scientist. Right. Uh, I, I do believe in science. I do yeah. trust science. Right. You know, I'm, I'm flying off to Denver tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting in this, this metal, I don't know what it is, aluminum... Multi-ton. Yeah, it's a rocket. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll be traveling at 500 miles an hour or something. Yeah. At, you know, and and I trust it. I mean, yeah. I trust the science. Yeah. Um, I trust it works. Yeah. Um, you know, we live in an age where we don't even question uh, that we can get information about anything through the air. Right. I don't know how it works, right? I've, I have no idea why... I, I, you know, where is this information in all around me, in right. the space around me? You know, yeah. I, I don't understand any of it, but yeah. but I trust it, and I get angry when it doesn't work. And, and I don't get angry; be angry and <laughs> sin not. Uh, but I, I get a little bit frustrated when right. it doesn't uh, work. Uh, but so we can't adopt the view. You know, what is, what do scientists know? Yeah, right. Well, they know a whole lot of things. <clears throat> they do. Yeah. Right now, science can meddle in theology, yeah. uh, and at the point of origin, yeah. uh, you've moved from science to to theory to yeah. to theology. Yeah. You know, if 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 you view the emergence of of all that is from um, a big bang yeah. uh, in space, um, what was there before the big bang? Right. And I think that I think that is a legitimate question to ask because you yeah. don't have you don't have many choices. You yeah. can say there was there was nothing. Yeah. So nothing produces everything. Well, that's that's harder to believe than the story of creation. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, or that some there was something. There was uh, gravity or electromagnetism or hydrogen or something out there. Yeah. Right. And and that creates everything. Yeah. You know, Beethoven, Mozart, Houdini. Right. Yeah. Uh, my dog, everything, yeah. and and that's pretty difficult to believe too. Yeah. So I I think that that tr- trusting science, yeah, giving science respect, yeah, right in terms say of the study of geology, yeah, uh, that suggests that that layers of and uh, this is not my field, right, right, know, right, and we don't that that. Suggests millions of years rather than fifteen thousand years old, then all of a sudden you know we've given up on science. Yeah, and and that's that's a difficult step. Yeah, to take now some theologians 
are so pro science yeah. that they take up science and run with it. And and I, I think this is why an otherwise orthodox reformed Christian theologian would advocate um, that that mankind emerged from a process of evolution right. from a, a, a slimy pool somewhere right. um, in the Middle East yeah. through a, a succession of evolutionary yeah. changes, which actually is beyond what Darwin ever suggested. Darwin actually maintained the fixity of species, right. but um, uh, at least the fixity of a certain amount of species. Right. Uh, so, so the modern theory of evolution, I think, is different from Darwin's 19th century model right. for evolution. You've been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all our episodes, which you can find on our webpage at firstpreskolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstpreskolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can also check us out on all your favorite podcasting applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or issues you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can reach us at our email address, which is 1A at firstpreskolumbia.org. That's 1A at firstpreskolumbia.org. Or via our Twitter account, which is at 1A Podcast. That's at 1A podcast or by phone 803-281-1795 803-281-1795 for dr thomas i'm josh squires we look forward to seeing you next week until then thanks for listening and god bless